Good afternoon, everyone. It's so good to see you all. Welcome. I can see a guest at the back. <laughs> so very welcome. Um, we're happy that you are here with us this, this afternoon. Um, my name is Yemi, and um, yes, great honor to stand before you this afternoon to share the word of God. And we are going to be carrying on with a series side by side, going, growing together as disciples, family members, and missionaries. And we're in part five today. Um, so if you've been coming for the past few weeks, um, we have been reminded that the gospel doesn't just save us, but that it completely transforms us and changes our identity. There was a time that we were not a people, but now we are God's people. We have been adopted into the family of God, and we are unique members of the body of Christ. We all have a part to play, and we are built to be dependent on God and interdependent on one another. We also have a responsibility to walk in the manner of the calling that we have been called, um, which is growing up in Christ, until we all achieve maturity in the faith. And we can't do this by ourselves, and that's why we need one another. We all have a part to play to help one another grow. So if I want to summarize that in one sentence, the Bible says there's a new way to live for us as believers and as children of God. And this afternoon, we're going to look at another strand in living side by side. Today, we're going to be talking about life together life together. And there's a word I want you to think about, solitude. Solitude? When you hear that word, what does it bring to your mind? Is it a dream or a nightmare? <laughs> what does being alone, what does that, what does that feel like? Do you long for time that way you can, you can be alone? <laughs> um, let's go back to the very beginning when God created Adam. Imagine for a moment that you were Adam. Adam was the first man that got created on the planet. It was all by himself. Can you imagine how, the must have, how that must have felt like? Can you imagine how lonely he must have felt? But it didn't last long because God the creator saw that there was a need there and he mercifully decided to do something about the need. And in Genesis um, 2, 15, uh, 18, the Bible says, Then Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so God created Eve, and that was the first little community that the world ever saw. And now, 7.7 billion people later, there is rarely a moment where we're ever by ourselves. And yet, the feelings of loneliness and isolation are more prevalent than ever. And according to an article in The Guardian in November 2018, it says nearly a third of people in the UK often feel lonely. And loneliness is an increasing problem in our modern world. And before 1800s, the English word loneliness did not exist. People lived in small communities. They tended to believe in God, which meant they were never really alone, and even when they were physically isolated. And there was a philosophical concept of the community as a source of common good. And there was no need for a language of loneliness. But now in the 21st century, our modern day of living, social media, Lack of face-to-face -face interaction, loneliness has aggravated to a massive problem. Why? Because we are social beings who thrive on physical, mental, emotional, and even spiritual connection. And the truth of the matter is we were created for community. Within every single one of us, whether you're a Christian or not, there is a massive need and a desire for community. No matter how you're wired, maybe you're an introvert or an extrovert, maybe you're socially proficient or you're socially awkward, Every soul longs for community. Why? Because we are made in the image of a God 
who has eternally existed in community. God's perfect plan from the very beginning was that we would not exist in isolation, but in relation with each other in community. And so therefore, being in community is not just a thing on the side that we talk about on a Sunday or a new community, but it's actually central to God's purposes here on earth. And God is most glorified in us when we, are, when we properly reflect him. And the best way we reflect him is by reflecting him in community. And so why do we need to be in community? Why? Because community is central and essential to our Christian identity. And according to John Wesley, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. We were created for community and we are saved for community. First Peter chapter 2 verse 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you are not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That term, chosen race, signifies a corporate identity. And repeatedly throughout the New Testament, we are told that Jesus wants to create a people not merely isolated individuals who believe in him. We are not saved individually and then we just randomly choose to join New Community Church as if it were some club or a social gathering or a support group. No, Christ died for his people. And when we are saved by faith, we become part of the people Christ died for. And it is only in community that we find our true identity and begin to grow as Christians. If you are a Christian here today, the Bible describes you as part of the family of God. You are part of the body of Christ. You are part of the people of God. We are part of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And no one of us exists, exists in isolation. We have a corporate identity and then individually we work out what that means for us. And then community is central to mission. It is in community that uh, the primary context of mission is established and our outward focus as believers. God wants to use our communities, even though they might be messy and broken, so that he can use it to draw others to himself. And introduce them to Jesus. We are a city on a hill which cannot be hidden. And whose visible behavior shines out and shows the world the glory of God. Community is also crucial to our Christian life. We cannot do Christian life by ourselves. It's impossible. And according to C.S. Lewis, I just want to read that to you. It says, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways. But above all, he works on us through each other. We are carriers of Christ to each other. It's easy to think the church has many purposes, education, building, missions, holding services, but the purpose of all those purposes is one. The church has no other purpose than to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they're not doing that, then all the cathedrals, missions, sermons, even the teaching of the Bible are simply a waste of time. So the church has no other purpose than to draw, than to draw people into Christ and to make them little Christ. And that's why we're here. We all want to be little Christ. So we go out into the society and shine for Jesus. And this is where we learn to do that in community. And so let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25, which is our main text for today. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as at as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm going to read it again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's almost impossible here to overestimate the importance of community, knowing that other people know you and they won't turn their backs in disgust, knowing that you are accepted and loved and encouraged and held accountable to what you believe. These are powerful influences in people's lives. And so this passage not only describes the need for us to be in community and what our responsibilities are towards each other as followers of Jesus, but it also serves as a rebuke, even though it's a very loving one. And it's pointing out towards some Christians here um, in, were Christians, but they were choosing not to be part of a Christian community. So there was evidently there was a slight problem there. Some people who profess faith in Jesus, they were starting to develop a custom or habit of only showing up on occasion and neglecting to make regular attendance and participate in the communal life of the church. So this meeting that we are, this meeting together that we're talking about is not just about Sunday service, and because in those in the times of the early church, I don't think they had a Sunday service like we're having now. Um, in Acts 2.46, the Bible talks about the church meeting regularly in the temple and in each other's homes. So the stirring and the encouraging that we're talking about today is not just what we do on a Sunday. It goes beyond this communal 90-minute thing that we do once a week. We're talking about something deeper. And the idea that church is limited to Sunday is definitely not the experience of the early church. But what we're doing right now is very critical. It's very crucial. We're hearing the word of God read, preached, applied, corporate worship, which you had earlier, corporate prayer, hearing testimonies, and sometimes we celebrate the um, breaking of bread, do ordinances together. All those things are crucial in the life of a believer. But so too is the meeting together in smaller context with a smaller group of believers, what we call communities in New Community Church. And so if we want to apply this scripture to ourselves here today, we're talking about Sunday gatherings, as well as our gatherings midweek in communities. We must protect gathering together. And yet from this passage, it is clear, and from our experience in Welling as well, that some people do not see the need for this gathering together. And before we go further, let's clarify what we're talking about. We're not talking about somebody that maybe just doesn't come on Sunday because they're not well, or they have to go to work, or they're on holiday. We're talking about a habit that has been developed. You don't develop a habit in one day. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a series of things that lead to a habit being developed. I don't know, maybe some of us here have tried to develop habits of um, running. <laughs> um, maybe you run for a day or two days and um, you, just get, you just get achy and you say, no, you don't want to do that anymore. That's not a habit, even though you've done it once or twice. But you need to keep doing it, and then it becomes a habit. Your body gets to it, and then you keep doing it. So also what we're talking about here today is not some, it one-off, I couldn't make it this Sunday, or something happened. We're talking about a pattern of living. And we don't start with a habit. But if you're not careful, we can gradually slide there. You miss a week here because you were sick. Obviously, that wasn't your fault. And then the next week, maybe you came back a bit late from work, and then you couldn't come. And then you probably said, oh, actually, it didn't hurt too much me not going last week, so I'm all good. And then the following week, 
Maybe you were away. And then before you know it, it's three weeks. And then you come. And everything looks cool. No major sins committed. No harm, real, no real harm done. And so, yeah, everything is okay. And then the following week, you probably think, oh, I'm not sure I want to go today. And you remind yourself that actually, yeah, I've missed a few weeks and nothing happened. People were still nice to you when you showed up. Nobody was scolding you for not coming. And then you just decide not to go because you're just a bit tired and you don't feel like. And then this habit repeats itself. Before you know it, it's one in three, one in four. And then genuine circumstances creep up. I might even make it longer than that. And before you know it, a habit is forming. It becomes easy to come without feeling bad about it. You might even justify yourself saying, I'm doing okay. I'm just not as if I've killed anybody or I'm harming anybody. I haven't committed any sexual sin. Everything is good. I still believe in God. Things are going well at work. I actually like this way of being a Christian. And before you know it, you get accustomed to that. It becomes a habit. And that's what the Bible is talking about here. And there's all sorts of reasons why people back off from community. It could be as a result of past painful experiences. Maybe you've been hurt before and you don't want to go back to that place. It could be disappointments. Maybe you, have, you had a high expectation of signing up to this community and then you get there on a Wednesday, Thursday, whatever they demand, and you say, oh my goodness, this is what it's all about. You've been let down. And for some of us, we have an unhealthy desire for privacy and isolation, which the Bible warns us against. In Proverbs 18, chapter 1, the Bible says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And some of us sometimes just feel uncomfortable with other people, which is just the honest truth. We don't like being judged. And some of us, probably we think we don't have anything to offer or nobody has anything to offer to us, and so we stay and keep to ourselves. Well, what's the point? And for some of us, it might be an accountability issue. It's easy to be accountable when things are going well, but when things are not going well, it's more difficult. And the heart has a tendency to distance itself from others when it does not want to stop what it is doing. And this tendency should scare each one of us. So whatever the reason for not being part of community, and some of them are very, very real and very understandable and very valid reasons, but the author of Hebrews comes straight to the point and says, don't do it. Don't back off. Don't stop meeting together. It's sinful. It's a recipe for personal, moral, and spiritual disaster. We must all guard against it and fight against it. We must protect gathering together. There's no such thing as solitary Christianity. I'm just a Christian all by myself. We need one another. You need me and I need you. And whether we realize it or not, we are all bricks in this spiritual house that God is building. And if one brick is taken out, the whole building suffers and it gets damaged. The whole body doesn't function properly when each one of us is not functioning the way we are supposed to function. And so that's why we must all protect gathering together because it's in community that we grow the most. When we, spend, when we spend time with the people of God from every walk of life, from every nation, tribe, crib, class, color, people different from us, we learn a lot quicker. And we learn a lot more. And we are shaped to become more like Jesus. And so we must guard and protect against not being in community. So how then does this life together in community, how does it plan out? How does it work out? 
And the passage in Hebrews chapter 10 shows us three things about the nature of real community, the kind of community that flows out of the access we have to the presence of God and the kind of community that shapes and changes us. So let's go back to that text, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And the first thing there is that we consider. And when we think about the word consider, it means you think about it. You stop, you think, you ponder, you reflect on it. You don't just do it. You think about what you want to do. You consider how you want to do this. Let's, I mean, we take time to reflect on the people around us and how we want to lead them more into loving God and loving one another and be more Christ-like. In a healthy community, we're all supposed to be doing this for one another. And it's not about taking notes and mm, mm, that kind of thing, no? watching everybody, but rather this has been intentional. And having a set of people around us that are active in helping us grow, and we are also doing the same for them. There's an intentionality here. It's something we have to make happen. It doesn't just happen. We have to be intentional about it. You need to know who you're in community with, and they also need to know you. It's not about having a name on a list that I'm part of this community, but nobody knows you. It's actually being there and being active, helping to spur one another on and to grow. So do you have people like that in your life? People that are not just being friendly to you on a Sunday, but people that are challenging you to grow. And you also have people in your life that you are asking the question, what can I do to help you grow? So we consider, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Secondly, we stir up says, let us consider how to stir up. So you think about it and how to stir up. And that word stir up, in other translations, it says spur on. And apparently the word in Greek actually means to irritate each other. Can you think of people like that that are irritants in your life? But it's not that kind of irritation, though. It's a word that means to sharply confront. So this passage is saying to us, actually, that if you want to grow, you have to have people in your life that are willing to sharply confront you about issues in your life. So if you're doing something, you should have people in your life that, can, that are not going to shy away from sharply confronting you about what you need to do about that issue. And the mark of a healthy, mature Christian community is where the members are close enough relationally and... Um, helping each other grow, that we're not shy to tell each other the truth, where we can go to each other and say, come on, I'm struggling here, I need your help. Do you spur me on to love and good works? I want to follow Jesus, but I'm struggling. I know the Bible says I shouldn't have sex outside of marriage, but I really want to, I'm tempted, can you help me? The Bible says I should be forgiven, but I hold grudges, please help me. I know the Bible teaches about giving, but I'm so not disciplined with my money. I don't like giving. I'm not a very generous person. I spend my money on wise ways. Can you please help me? The Bible says we shouldn't be filled with self-pity, but I really get self-absorbed and feel sorry for myself. Can you please help me? We need to be a people that are open enough and our relationships have to be strong and deep enough for us to be able to say this to one another. You can say to my brother or your sister, when you see me doing these things, I want you to help me. I want you to spur me on. I want you to stir 
my faith. Do you have people in your life that do that for you? And do you have people that you are spurring on as well? And the third thing is encourage. We might be very good at spurring, but, we, but the Bible doesn't ask us to stop at spurring. asks us to encourage. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We also have to encourage one another. And, and uh, encouraging is quite the opposite of spurring. We need to go big on that. And many of us are not good at that. Um, and many of us don't get enough encouragement that we should get. So we need to learn to be an encouraging people. We need to choose to focus on what God is doing in a person's life, despite the other things, and celebrate it. We need to choose to look at the evidence of the grace of God in a person and encourage them in that. According to John Maxwell, none of us can survive in a relationship if viewed through the lens of our worst moments. So we need to look at what God is doing. And God is doing a wonderful thing in each one of us. But sometimes, as humans, it's easy to focus on the negative. But we need to choose to look at the positive, what God is doing. Even though we're not there yet, we're all going to become more like Jesus. So we choose to encourage one another and spur one another on. So then, how do we do this life together? How do we do it? It's all well and good. You probably all agree with me in theory. That it's good that we consider. It's good that we encourage. It's good that we support one another on. But how do we do this? We need to understand that we are all needy. None of us is perfect. And building community is going to be messy. People will get things wrong. They will spoil you one when they're supposed to encourage you. They will encourage you when they're supposed to spoil you one. They will consider things and they will probably get it totally wrong. People will let you down. They will hurt you. You'll be disappointed. Because why? We are all needy. But it's still, it's still worth fighting for. And so we don't give up. And so we carry on building community. No matter what experiences have been in the past, we don't give up on building community. We don't give up on being part of a community because we've been let down in the past. We choose to keep going because Christ is building his church and we're all part of it. And so we can face building community with other flawed people because of the assurances in verses 19 to 22 of Hebrews 10. And it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So the assurance of salvation in these verses is the reason why we can confidently build community. So when we know that we are fully loved, fully accepted, by the person whose opinion counts the most, then it doesn't become a problem to be part of a community. We don't seek our identity or our confirmation from other people. We seek it from God. And when we are confident in that, when we are assured that we have boldness before God, then being open to one another becomes easy. We don't have to hide from anybody or hide behind anything. We can choose to be ourselves 
because God has fully accepted us. And that's what we do. Brothers and sisters, we need to be in community. We are created for community and we need to fight against the tendency we all have to back off from community when things get tough or when things doesn't suit us anymore. And this is not just about, oh yeah, I just go to church today and I just sign my name in one community. No, it's not about that. It's not about having your name on a list, but it's actually about having your heart in community. It's make, about making a firm decision to play a full and active part in community life. Everyone in wedding should be in a community. And everyone should be playing their part in building one another up in faith. So I don't know what your experiences in the past have been about communities. Some of us have been Christians for a while. And we've gone through different types of community. Even here in New community, we've called it different types of names, life groups, cell groups, and <laughs> so many more. Um, and I don't know what your experiences have been in the past. Maybe that's made you back off. Or you might even be part of a community, but you just go there to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, well, you want me to be in community? Here I am. But then we don't fully give ourselves, we don't open up our lives. We don't encourage one another. We don't share life together so that we can learn from one another. And then it becomes a routine. This is something we need to fight against. And I'm sure for many of us here today, you've probably heard this before. It's not the first time. And there's that tendency, oh, I just, I've had all that before. I've had it before so many times. But the challenge this afternoon to each one of us is what, are we, what have we done with what we have heard? Because the word of God that we have really heard is the one that we have put into action. It's the one that has changed us. The Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 7 talks about the wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rains came, the floods came, but this man's house stood firm. Why? Because it was on a rock. And there was this foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And his house did not stand strong. Why? Because he did not put the word into practice. And in James chapter 1, the Bible talks about being doers of the word, not hearers only. And we were challenged last week about the fact that we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. That to whom much has been given, much is expected. And it's not enough to desire to be part of a community. Desire is good. It starts from there. Or you can desire it as much as you want, but you actually need to do it. The desire needs to be backed with action. And John Piper, um, I read this this morning, he says, seldom does anyone wander into obedience. Often we must take time to not only digest what we have read, but to plan for how we can practically obey God's will. So we hear the word of God, we also must take time to, to think about it and to plan how we're going to obey. And so there's another call for action this afternoon. We are being called to be totally dependent on God and, to be, and we are being called to be interdependent on one another. I don't know where you are at in your walk with God because your walk with God ultimately affects how you view community. And sometimes that's why you need to be part of a community because sometimes when things are not really going well in our walk with God, we want to stay away from other people. But that's the time we really need to plug in. And there's always room for growth. There's room for movement towards God and towards one another. So then how do we go about this? 
How do we go about this? And some of us, the rhythm of our life, we need to think about it. Because sometimes life can get so busy that we don't have room for community. We desire it, but it just cannot physically happen. And so it's something we need to think about because it's so crucial for us to grow, for us to develop and become little Christ. We really need to be part of the community, part of the community of the people of God. And so how are we going to put this word into action? And the question this afternoon is, have you been adopted into the family of God? And the answer is either yes or no. And if you have not been adopted into the family of God, the first step is actually to take a step closer to Jesus. Because it's when you receive Jesus that then you can become part of the family of God. The first step is to accept Jesus into our hearts as our Lord and Savior. And so if you're here, maybe you even come to church every Sunday, but you have not really given Jesus a chance in your life, then we need to open up our hearts, allow Jesus room in our hearts, and then we can become part of the family of God. And then if you are here, you're already part of the family of Jesus Christ. Are you part of a community? And you might be part of a community because you signed up, but are you really part of a community? Do you know the people you're in community with? And do they know you? Are you actively spurring and encouraging one another? Is there someone that you can get alongside to spur on in their work with God? Is there someone you can ask? Do you want, can you please speak into my life? Can you be, can you be a person that spurs me on in my work with God? This afternoon, God is asking for a shift from each one of us. And the shift can either be in the attitude of our hearts, the shift can be in our thinking, and the shift can be in, our, in action. So I don't know. What is it? Where do you want to shift to this afternoon? Do you want to shift towards God, towards one another? What is it? And if you, you've been in community, there are things that you can do to shift as well. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us this afternoon. Can you make room for a little more shift towards God and towards one another? Are there people in Welling that you can take a step closer? Even maybe they're not even in your community, but that you can just befriend and help them and spur them more towards Jesus. Are there things in our life that we need to identify this afternoon that stop us from doing life together? And I already mentioned one of them, the rhythm of our life. Are there adjustments you can make in your life to make room for community? Is there a way you can think about how things have gone? Just a little bit here and there. Even if you're not able to join a formal community, can I invite people into your life that can speak into your life, that can challenge you, that can spoil you on in your work with God? And for some, for some of us, maybe it's our past experiences. Maybe we've been hurt before. Are there things we need to let go this afternoon? We all need to be proactive in fighting to stay in community. We can't wait until life is easier and we have more time and then I will be part of community or I'll play my part in the body of Christ. No, because that might never happen. We have to do what we need to do now. It's a matter of choice. If it's important to us, we make room for it. And so this afternoon, the bottom line is, 
What are you going to do about what we've heard? Another call to action. What are you going to do about it? And how is your love for Christ? Because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, it's all about loving Jesus. When we come together and support one another, one, it's about loving Jesus more. And so how is, it, how is your love life with Jesus? Because when you're loving Jesus, it's easy to be in community. But when you're not really loving Jesus, then coming to community becomes a struggle. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, it says, For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so it's the love of Jesus that compels us to community. It's not because, oh, I'm such a bubbly person, or I just love being with people, or... There's some people that just don't enjoy being with people. But because of the love of Christ, you do it. You train yourself to do it. And then as you do it, then you begin to enjoy being with people. So there's lots of things that we do as Christians, not because we're naturally wired to do them, but we do them because of the love of Jesus. And so this afternoon, the shift is towards Jesus because it's always towards Jesus. It's always towards Jesus. And I desire, Steve, please, can you come up? And our desire this afternoon is to honor him with our lives. And uh, if God has ordained that we grow in community and that we would only fulfill his mission by being in community and that we would only become more and more like Jesus by being in community, then we need to align our lives and take a step, take a shift closer to community. So I don't know what your response is going to be this afternoon. Maybe you want to sign up to a community. Maybe you want to engage um, more in the one that you're already in. Or maybe you want to look at people that you want to say, can you please spur me on? Can you please be someone that encourages me in my work with God? Can you, not, can you challenge me when you see me doing these things? These are, these are my weaknesses. And so this is the kind of response today is not one that you come and you pray for somebody prays for you. That kind of, this is a a commitment. This is something you talk to God to in your heart and say, actually, this is what I want to do. This is a decision I want to make today. And by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit will help us.